the old pilots playing tales, the Happy Bottom Riding Club. If Edwards Air Force Base ever had a heyday, it must surely have been when the likes of Jimmy Doolittle and Buzz Aldrin walked the walk amongst the hangars in the desert. Douglas test pilot Bill Bridgman flew the Skyrocket from there. Major Kit Murray took records in the Bell X-1A there. And of course, we surely all know the story of a young Chuck Yeager who first broke the sound barrier there flying Glorious Glenis in 1947. This was a time when chisel-jawed, steely-eyed, sun-tanned pilots in aviator sunglasses flew the most remarkable experimental aircraft the world had ever seen. Ever higher, ever faster, exploring the extreme corners of the flight envelope, blasting themselves to the edges of space and up to speeds that seemed unbelievable only a few years earlier. Records tumbled, the first to a thousand miles an hour, then two thousand miles an hour, the first above Mach 1, then Mach 2, and Mach 3. The Bell X-2 climbed above 100,000 feet and then up to 126,000 feet, but safety equipment wasn't really keeping up with the technology of rocket planes that could fly to the outer edges of the atmosphere. Captain Mel Apt took his X-2 to Mach 3.2, that's 2,094 miles an hour, when he realised he was getting a bit far from base. As he tried to turn his aircraft, it began a series of diverging rolls and then tumbled out of control. His escape pod failed to operate properly when its main chute failed and he fell to his death. Captain Mike Adams was on an extreme test flight in an X-15 that had reached 266,000 feet. In the descent, it lost all semblance of stability and entered a steep spiral doing Mach 5. Passing 65,000 feet and still at nearly Mach 4, the airframe experienced plus or minus 15G vertically and 8G laterally, before the airframe broke up, scattering itself over 50 square miles. Losses were common, and many a fine test pilot bought the farm when he pushed just a little too hard to see what was beyond. When a pilot felt like letting off some steam, there wasn't much beyond the base but desert. That was until a remarkable lady arrived and began serving drinks at a ranch called the Happy Bottom Riding Club. The base sat on the edge of the Mojave Desert, beside a dry salt pan. It was hot, desolate and remote. It seemed a strange place for a society debutante from a wealthy family to choose to live, but here, not far from the threshold of runway 04, was where Florence Leotine Lowe called home. Florence was born to a wealthy family who were well-connected and considered part of high society. 
Her grandfather was Theodos Lowe, who was a pioneer in American aviation when he established the nation's first military air unit, the Army of the Potomac's Balloon Corps, during the American Civil War. As part of the Union Army, he and his team of prominent aeronauts performed aerial reconnaissance on the Confederates. Floating over Confederate positions in his hydrogen balloon, Thaddeus Lowe soon got the nickname of the most shot-at man in the war. After the war, his skill as an inventor bought considerable wealth and he moved his family to Pasadena in California, where he built a 24,000-square-foot mansion. Only fitting for a man who started a water-gas company, founded the Citizens Bank of Los Angeles, established several ice plants, and opened an opera house. It was into this family that Florence was born. During her formative years, she attended the finest private schools and became an accomplished horsewoman, but Florence wasn't going to become the average debutante. Her behaviour at school was becoming something of a problem and she was moved from one prestigious establishment to another, often running away just to have fun. However, she grew into a confident, self-possessed and athletic woman, but it was her adventurous and independent nature that was to define her, certainly not her arranged marriage to the Reverend Rankin Barnes. The life of a poor pastor's wife certainly didn't appeal. The first time she kissed her husband was on her wedding night, and although she tried for a while to fulfil her role, it didn't take long before she was bribing the kids in her catechism class with jackknives to get them to behave. To escape the boredom, she started riding horses in the burgeoning film industry in Hollywood, and was so adept she could carry a camera on her shoulder whilst riding. Florence Barnes' wild ways grew, and she took up with a college student, until her indiscretions became such an embarrassment that she was sent on a cruise to South America. When she returned, she didn't stay for long. Despite being the only girl on the cruise, she joined friends who were being hired by a banana boat and headed back to South America. They soon discovered that the boat was running guns for revolutionaries in Mexico. On arrival, they were arrested, but after six weeks, Barnes and the helmsman escaped and set off through the countryside on stolen horses. As they rode, Barnes quipped that Shoot, her companion, looked like Don Quixote. Shoot replied that in that case, she was Pancho. Despite being corrected, the name was Sancho, Florence liked it, and from that moment on, she became Pancho Barnes. It didn't take long for Pancho to need another adventure, and she turned her attention skyward. In the spring of 1928, she started taking pilot's lessons. Her instructor was a World War I pilot, and the aircraft only had one instrument in it, an oil gauge. She used a keychain to work out if she was slipping or skidding her turns, and looked over the side to see how high they were. To check for fuel, she dipped a string into the fuel tank and guessed how far they could go. Pancho was immediately hooked, and she bought herself a travel air biplane for $5,500. She was more captivated by the thrill of the early days of flying than deterred by the dangers. 
On a trip to San Francisco in 28, her engine quit eight times, but each time she made a safe emergency landing. For a while, Pancho ran a barnstorming show and competed in air races. Despite a crash in the 1929 Women's Air Derby, she returned in 1930 under the sponsorship of the Union Oil Company and won, breaking Amelia Earhart's world woman speed record in her Type R mystery ship with a speed of 196.19 miles an hour. Pancho got work in Hollywood as a stunt pilot for movies. She flew in several air adventure movies of the 1930s, including Howard Hughes' Hell's Angels, and she also founded the Association of Motion Picture Pilots, so the airmen could get fair wages for their often death-defying work. Pancho worked constantly, but she was better at spending money than saving it. Her home was party central, constantly full of flying and movie industry friends. She had an open-door, open-bar policy, and she never expected her guests to help foot the bill. In addition to spending lavishly, she used her house and other property as collateral to buy more real estate without any regard of how she would make payments. Pancho lost most of her money in the Great Depression, but with what she had left of her inheritance, she bought a four-room house and hay barn on an 80-acre ranch in the middle of nowhere, near Muroc Dry Lake. The nearest town was 20 miles away, but there was an encampment for an Army Air Corps squadron and bombing practice area nearby. She created an airstrip out of the hard earth and built guest rooms so her friends could fly in for a visit. By 1941, she had 360 acres with a farmhouse, stables and, an almost unheard of luxury in the desert, a swimming pool. Pancho opened her heart and home to the local pilots, and even Colonel Shoup, the commanding officer of the nearby flight test centre, used Pancho's ranch to host parties for visiting brass. In 1939, a civilian pilot training program was established and Pancho was asked to provide aircraft and instructors for the flying school. For Pancho, one of the students stood out from all the others. Over the years, she had had many lovers, but meeting the young pilot, Robert Nichols, occurred at the time her husband asked for a divorce, freeing her to get married. The pilot training program lasted two years, her marriage to Nichols lasted two weeks. Muroc Army Air Base became Edwards Air Force Base. With the influx of the Devil May Care Air Force test pilots, there were even more handsome guys to join Pancho's Hollywood friends to hang out, get a good meal and be entertained. She could match them with flying stories, jokes, drinking, smoking and swearing, and they loved her. She never kept proper accounts and had no idea how much it cost her to host her friends. She often ran short and couldn't feed the horses or pay bills, so she took out several loans on her property. However, Pancho was happy. In 1944, she met Don Shalita, a handsome show dancer, six years her junior. He was in the twilight of his career, so he moved to the ranch and a year later they were married. 
This time, Barnes broke her record for actually living with a husband, a full four months. Pancho's financial problems were eased for a while after she received an inheritance from her uncle. She used it to improve her property, calling it Pancho's Fly-In. She opened her own airfield with two runways and let anyone tie down their plane for free. There was a hangar, repair shop and flight school. She added rooms with air conditioning, the only ones in the desert, and private bars for her guest house. Barnes built a racetrack and there was even a fish pond in the shape of the Air Force emblem. She advertised in the Los Angeles newspapers for families to enjoy her modern flying dude ranch for $49 a week per person, meals included. She had a bevy of pretty girls to serve and keep the pilots amused, but never crossed the line into a house of ill repute, although there were plenty of rude, nude fun to be had. During the height of the Happy Bottom Riding Club's success, there were over 9,000 members worldwide. You never knew who would show up at the club for a steak dinner, sit in with the jazz combo, or sing with the other customers at the piano bar. It was not unusual to find heads of state, high-ranking military, actors, actresses, famous writers and artists, or even just your next-door neighbour at Pancho's Bar and Restaurant. One of the newer Happy Bottom guests was pilot Mac McKendry, who ended up at the ranch after returning from overseas. He was divorcing and needed a friend and a place to live. He found both with Pancho and he was there for her when she in turn needed support. In addition to the usual carousing, in June 1952, Pancho was involved in her fourth wedding to Mac. She was 51 years old, and Mac was only 32. Commander Al Boyd gave the bride away, and Chuck Yeager stood up as her attendant. The ceremony lasted barely a minute, was presided over by Judge J.G. Sherrill and witnessed by 650 guests. Then the couple exchanged vows again in a Native American ceremony officiated by Chief Lucky and Little Snow White of the Blackfoot tribe. The wedding banquet included four roasted pigs, 80 pounds of potato salad, 16 gallons of jello and a 50-pound wedding cake. One of the entertainers at the reception was Lassie, the Wonder Dog. Later that year, a new CO came to Edwards, who didn't enjoy Barnes' hospitality in the same way as his predecessors had. The base was also expanding, and the government was buying up all the surrounding property. Pancho resisted in court, as she didn't want to give up what had taken her almost 20 years to build. The FBI investigated her for illegal activity, but the worst they could accuse her of was bad credit. The government finally took possession of her ranch and gave her a meagre $185,000. A few months later, Barnes came home to find smoke coming from her property. She lost everything in the house, the barn and the dance hall to a fire that must have broken her heart. She fought for a fair value for her land and was eventually awarded $375,000. A main argument in her defence was that her grandfather had founded the United States Air Force.
The disaster was the beginning of the end for Pancha. She tried to start again a few miles north in the desert and took out mortgages on a thousand acres with a little cafe and gas station. She treated herself to horses, a Stinton airplane and a catamaran, but she lived in an abandoned rock building with a dirt floor and broken windows. She had big plans for Gypsy Springs but never managed to make it work. Edwards Air Force Base had grown into a self-sufficient community and the demand just wasn't there. In later years, Pancho managed to reconnect with many old-timers and part of the officer's mess at Edwards was renamed the Pancho Barnes Room. In her later life, Pancho found herself alone. An old friend offered to let her live rent-free in a 20 by 25 foot house. Her best asset was storytelling, and she was invited to speak at local clubs and banquets, regaling audiences with the spellbinding tales of her life. In the summer of 71, some of her old friends at Edwards, including Buzz Aldrin, threw a party for her 70th birthday on the base. She could have had a life of security and wealth, but instead chose to live life to the full and enjoy every moment as if it was her last. Pancho ended up living off memories and dreams. In the spring of 1975, she missed a speaking engagement and was found dead in her little home. She was cremated and special permission was granted from the USAF to spread her ashes from the air over the site of the Happy Bottom Riding Club. The ashes started to drift towards the ground, but the slipstream blew them back into the cockpit of the Cessna. Even in death, Pancho loved a good joke. <laughs>